Yo, this is Pastor Tito, and welcome to another episode of the Revolutionary Podcast. back fam as we are going through the book of acts and we are going to go through a very relevant portion of scripture for us today in our culture as christians it is important for us to learn how to live and how to adapt and accommodate without compromising because living out our faith in a anti-christian world is it's not easy but it's possible And we're going to learn today by seeing something incredible that Timothy did that can give us a model. Well, two weeks ago, I mentioned that that young man, John Mark, today we're going to talk about a new young man and kind of see in the beginning of his story, which is one, if you've ever read some of the New Testament, he might sound familiar, uh, a guy named Timothy. I don't know if you've ever known, there is uh, two letters in the New Testament called First and Second Timothy. And so I'm going to show you today, we're going to look at the beginning, his introduction when he shows up, because something happens in his introduction that is amazing, that it's awesome, that it is something that we must learn to do today. And it's the difference between these two words, all right? So uh, today, I don't know if y'all showed up understanding, I know, you know, hopefully you showed up wanting to know God's word, which is important. But for us to be able to understand God's word, we also need to understand words in general, right? So definitions. And so I got two words for you, all right? Accommodation and compromise. Are we familiar with those two words? Accommodation and compromise. What does it mean to accommodate? What does it mean to compromise? Now, both are similar, but they're different, right? Now, compromise can be negative and it can be positive, all right? I'm sure some of us have, whether, you know, you're out with a bunch of friends or, you know, it's a, you're, it could be friends, could be marriage, right? Where you both compromise on something. Maybe it's what you want to watch for TV shows, right? A compromise is usually, hey, uh, what do you want to do? What do I want to do? But then we kind of find this middle ground where I'm not doing what you necessarily want to do. I'm not doing what I necessarily want to do. But at least we agreed, right? It's mutual agreement. That's positive compromise. But we are all familiar with a negative compromise, right? Negative compromise isn't a mutual agreement. A negative compromise is when you go against something, really yourself, right? Are we familiar with that? When you, to compromise your faith, to compromise your values, to compromise your beliefs, right? That's not a mutual agreement. That's usually a decision that is done for selfish purposes, right? So to compromise is to go against your feelings, against your belief, against your values. But accommodation is different. Accommodation is not going against your feelings or against your beliefs or against your values, but it is to make a change because of your beliefs, because of your values. It's really, really important, guys, because even for today, as Christians, we need to understand the two. We need to know which is what, because we're supposed to do one and not the other, and how, and I know it can be difficult, especially, man, especially this week. If you think about just the conversations that you might have engaged with just along the topic of Roe versus Wade and abortion and all that stuff. And I know probably in this room and online, we have a mixed group of all of those things. And so what were, you know, maybe in, in your position and what you believe in. And, and there's a lot of sincerity on both sides that, you know, we, we want to be right right? But the the accommodation part is important because as Christians, we are supposed to accommodate our faith, but we never compromise our faith. 
All right, I'm gonna say that one again. As believers, we need to know we must accommodate our faith to who we're talking to, to the circumstances, but it is possible to accommodate without compromising. That's the magic formula. That is the beautiful balance. And so we're going to look today at how Timothy did it, how Paul did it, and how others have done it ever since. So hopefully we can understand how to do the same, okay? So guys, we're going to be in Acts chapter 16. We're only going to read five verses today, one through five. So if you didn't show up with the Bible, which I pray that you do, uh, it's great to kind of go old school with paper, and it's just something different there. But we got it on the screen for those of you online and here they don't have it. So let's read this one together. So I'm going to read Acts 16, only those first little verses. Ready? So here we go. Paul went on to two places. All right. So he went on to Derby and Lystra where there was a disciple named who? Timothy. So here's Timothy's introduction. The first time he's ever mentioned in the book of Acts and the narrative. This is when they meet. Uh, Paul meets this disciple named Timothy. He is the son of a believing Jewish woman, but his father was a Greek. So we don't know if he was a believer or not. Some assume that the father might not have been a believer um, or he probably would have been dead by this time. Uh, But we do know that he is not a Jew. All right. So that's very important. That, That detail we do understand. No, so the brothers and sisters of the town, Lystria and Iconium, which is another town nearby, spoke highly of Timothy. So there's something about this young man that, bro, his reputation has gone not only in the town where he lives, but in the surrounding towns. So there's something about that. So this guy is known, all right? He would be trending. He'd probably have the little blue verification on Instagram or something like that. So people know this guy, Timothy, for what God is doing in his life, which is pretty cool. So here it says Paul wanted Timothy to go with him on this journey. So they were going to go. Paul was going to make rounds. We talked about this two weeks ago. He wanted to go rounds on a second missionary journey, going to different towns where they had been before and where they hadn't gone. Uh, John Mark couldn't go, but hey, he wanted Timothy to come along. So this is kind of his replacement. And so he wants him to come along with him. So what does he do? Look at this. He wants Timothy to go with him. So he took him, circumcised this young adult. Because, this is, listen to the details, because of the Jews who were in those places where they were going to go, since they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled through the town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem for the people to observe. So the churches were strengthened in faith and grew daily in number. So that's an awesome positive, but whoa, hold on. I mean, Luke kind of just says something and almost like an understatement and keeps on going, which for some of us, it would have been an interesting, wait, 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 what? Like, what did Timothy have to do? Excuse me? We're not just going to zoom past that. We're not just going to zoom past that and then find out, all right, God's doing amazing things. What happened and why? What happened and why? Because it almost sounds, for some of us, if you've been with us for a couple of weeks, especially even the last time I was here, that almost sounds like Paul did a compromise. What a minute, you know, what's going on here? Was Paul being hypocritical? So I'm, I'm going to help some of y'all out. If y'all haven't been with us for the last couple of weeks, this is your first time watching. What decision are they sharing? So we've been talking about this decision for a while. And a couple of weeks ago, we focused on it. It was in Acts Uh, I forget. I think it's 13 or so. Uh, No, Acts 15, where in this decision, there was an argument between Christians saying, hey, what does it mean? How do you get saved? And so there were some people that said, if you are not circumcised, you can't be saved. So they made that rule. They were saying for these non-Jewish people, 
hey, if you want to be saved, you got to become circumcised. If you want to follow Jesus, you got to be a Jewish too. You have to abandon your culture, abandon everything and adopt ours. This is the way to live the Christian life. All right. So you needed surgery in order to be saved. That was kind of like the, the, the thing there. And so Paul and everybody decided saying, no, no, no. I mean, guys, Jesus did everything on the cross for us. All we have to do is believe. All we have to do is receive. That's it. And so that's the decision that they're going and they're telling all of the churches. And they were excited to hear. Oh, thank you. I'm sure a lot of the guys were like, "Woo, OK, that's awesome. All right. I'm glad I didn't have, you know, that's not, you know. And, you know, I needed to make the cut in order to get inside the, you know, the club. All right. So I'm glad. Um, so I, there were a lot of people that were excited because it was like, man, not just beyond that, but wow, look at God's goodness that in order to be saved, all we have to do is believe in him. That's amazing. How great of a God is this? But hold on. What did Paul make Timothy do? What did Paul make Timothy do? Snip, snip. Okay. Right. And so wait a minute. So doesn't that sound hypocritical? He is going around town to town saying, guys, you don't need to be circumcised in order to be saved. Timothy, hold on. We, we, we got to do something real quick before you go. <laughs> doesn't that sound hypocritical? You need to be circumcised to come with me, but no one has to be circumcised to be saved. So when you read it fast, it could seem, mm -hmm, hold on. But there's something beautiful about uh, this decision that they did and we're going to zoom in and slow down so you don't catch it. So let's really look. What was Timothy's accommodation? Because that's what Timothy did. Timothy accommodated his faith. How? By being circumcised. But then there's the why. Now, here's the thing. He did not get circumcised to be saved. All right. So that's clear. So because that now that's counter. But that's not the reason why he needed to do that. I mean, we already saw that his reputation was known throughout the towns. Why? Because he was saved. And it was assumed that both um, Timothy, his mom and grandmother got saved during Paul's first missionary journey years before. And so we know about these things because in one of the letters to that Paul writes to Timothy, he talks to him and says, hey, you know, the scriptures that your mother prayed over you and showed you and your grandmother so that to me, guys, listen, if you have a legacy of faith, whether it started with your parent or grandparent, if you do, can't you just be grateful for something like that? I'm like, man, I'm, I'm grateful for a mom or a dad that, that was a believer and that they kept on showing me and teaching me. I'm grateful. Some of us, maybe our third generation, some of you have that grandmother that shared the scriptures and lived out your faith. Some of you might not, but you know what? That might be you. You may be the beginning where your kids and your grandkids and your great grandkids will be thanking you. And so that would be a prayer for you if it wasn't the case. So hold on, though. So what's going on? And so here, Timothy has to accommodate, not in order to be saved, because he wanted to go. And so remember, why were why did he have to get circumcised? Luke was clear. He says because of the Jews who were around, they knew they all knew this guy had a reputation. There's a Jewish boy that has a Greek dad and he's not circumcised. Apparently, I don't know how that gets around. I mean, I mean, really, out of all the gossip, out of all the gossip that can go around, that's what you're known for. I mean, I mean, for us, that might be weird, but for them, it was a big deal because the Jewish lineage was passed on by the mother. And so according to Jewish customs, he was supposed to be circumcised, but apparently the dad didn't like that. But here's the thing, not that you have to or not or whatever, but 
Paul had a strategy. Every time he went to a town, he would go to the Jews first and he would tell them about Jesus. And I was like, listen, the Messiah you've been waiting for all along, Jesus is the one. He fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the scriptures. There's salvation in his name. The Messiah has come. God has fulfilled his long awaited promise. So they would go to the Jews first. And then after going to the Jews, they would go to non-Jews. But here's the thing. If they were, if Paul was going to take along an uncircumcised Jew, to talk to the Jews, immediately they would have closed the door on Paul. They never would have let him in. Because they say, no, 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 we don't associate with people like that. People like that aren't allowed in. And remember, he's talking to non-Christians. People like that are not allowed in, and people, and we're not allowed anyone in who associates with people like that. So Paul says, buddy, you can come along with me, and God is going to use us, and this is, but here's the thing, though. You got to do one thing. <laughs> You got to do one thing, because if you're not circumcised, they're not going to let you in, meaning you can't participate, meaning I can't bring you with me. So Timothy says, bro, when and where? <laughs> like, first off, guys, I want you to see Timothy. This is the first thing we know about Timothy. And you can see why his reputation as a believer has gone, because, oh, my gosh, I mean, I don't know about some of us, if, that would, if I would have asked you guys, let's go on a mission trip, or hey, who wants to be, I'm going to mentor you, I'm going to take you along as my young Padawan, and, you know, but hold on though, we got to get, we got to take these doctors first, we got to do a little physical, you know, we got to, some of you would have, you know, laughed and called the cops or reported me or something, whatever, this guy's insane, right, I don't know, you would have done something, but Timothy understood what was required of him. And do you, look, look at me, guys, that is Timothy's heart for the lost. He likes saying, wait, what do I have to do in order to bring the gospel to people that don't know? If it's surgery, so be it. Let's go. Oh, my gosh. Can you see his heart, Timothy's heart? He's literally whatever it takes. What even to that point, whatever it takes, I want to help others to know Jesus. Now, praise God, that's not necessarily a circumstance or a situation that we force people to do. You know, Paul didn't force it. He just said, listen, this is what you want to do. And he said, let's go. He accommodated his body for, the, for love for those who didn't know Jesus. Isn't that amazing? That's awesome that we see Timothy. Now, where did Timothy learn that? He learned it from Paul. See, Paul lived his life like that. In fact, I'm going to just read this to you. I don't have this verse for you, but let me read it to you. Paul, in another uh, letter he writes to the first uh, his first letter to the Corinthian church he writes this about this very topic so where did Timothy learn this from Paul and what how does Paul do this well he does it himself Paul would not ask Timothy to do something he wouldn't do so let me just read this to you he's talking to this church and he says although I am free from all people and I'm not a slave to anybody I have made myself a slave to everyone in order to win more people to Christ. To the Jews, I become a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, like said, this is Jewish law. This is going to sound a little funny, but to those under uh, the law, Jewish law, um, though I'm, I'm not under that law, I don't have to hold that law. But you know what? If I'm going to win those who are under the law, then I'm going to participate with the law, um, even though I'm without it. Though I am not without God's law, but I'm under God, the law of Christ, which is different. But in order to win those, if they're in the law, then I'm going to participate in the law to win them over. To the weak, I become weak in order to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that um, I may, by every possible means, whatever it takes, save some. 
And I do all of this because, why? Here's the motivation. Because it almost sounds like he's a people pleaser, right? Didn't it almost sound like that too? Like, wait a minute, Paul, I ain't signing up for that. You're telling me that I'm gonna be whatever everybody wants me to be so I can win them over? That doesn't sound right, that doesn't sound good. What do you mean? He's not saying I'm going to be a people pleaser. He's not saying I'm going to water down my message or water down the gospel. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is this. I do these accommodations because because of the gospel so that I may so that I may share in the blessings. And so can they. So what it see? He's he's talking about what Timothy did. What did Timothy do? He did whatever it took. If I got to be a Jew in order to win Jews, then Sign me up, all right? Well, when's the surgery gonna be? He did it. And that's how Paul lived to say, whatever I need to do. If I'm hanging out with Jews, I'm gonna be a Jew. If I'm hanging out with non-Jews, I'm gonna hang out with non-Jews. But how do you do that without compromising your faith, right? Because what Paul is trying to say is, listen, there's a little bit of freedom, but there is a fence, all right? There's a fence inside where you can play. And here's the fence. I'm willing to do anything that is not a sin, I'm willing to do anything that does not compromise my faith, my values, but I'll make an adjustment if it means that I can present the gospel to you. Because what he didn't want to do, guys, what he didn't want to do is have people be offended by something out the gate. So let, let's, let's pretend, all right? Let, let's give a modern example. Let's pretend here's one of you and uh, you are a conservative. Let's say, let's talk about politics. You're a conservative and you're going to dinner to somebody's house that is not a believer in Jesus Christ and they're liberal, all right? And let's say we got two extremes. Um, do you think it's wise to show up in a Let's Go Brandon t-shirt with a MAGA hat on? <laughs> right? Do you think that's wise? You know, as that's not wise, right? But let's let's say you want to go. That's your neighbor. That's your neighbor, and you want to tell them about Jesus. That's what you're gonna do. No, you you shouldn't do that because are they gonna listen to anything you have to say? No, they're not because they've already gonna make all these assumptions about you. They're gonna just tune you out for something that is it may, it may be important, but what's more important? You see what I'm saying? Their soul. Flip that. Same thing. You know, let's say you're more liberal on that one side and you're going to show up to a convers and you're going to show up to a conservative's house and they're a neighbor of yours or they invited you over and you are a Christian and you want to share the gospel with them. You're not going to open the conversation with you're like, so you're Republican? That means you're a racist, huh? You know, you're not going to say things like that. You're like, so Roe v. Wade. Wow, you hate women. Um, you know, you're, you're not going to do that. Right. You're not going to make you're not going to have that conversation because you, you see what I'm saying? Like politics are very polarizing. It, it already draws a line. And then at that point, are you listening to each other? Is that person going to listen to you? No, you, you can't win someone over. You know, you can't win their heart over if you're trying to win an argument. With low, so this is what he's talking about. No. Does it mean you compromise your values? No. It just means I know I'm not going to go there right now because what matters is I want them to know that hey don't make assumptions about me you don't know me and so I want you to know me I want you to see who I am and so you're not going to do those things and guys you can do that in almost everything cultural or this or that I mean almost every any circumstance and so what Paul is saying listen he actually does this in Acts later on, years later. There's these guys that are not believers or, or they're kind of maybe uh, weak on that side and they want to go through some Jewish ceremonial cleansing laws. And so Paul is like, I don't have to do that in order to be saved, but you know what? I'll do it with you. 
And so he kind of accommodates a little bit. And so that's what that means. Uh, the, the idea is like saying, um, even cultural guys, do you guys understand that there's certain things, if you are, um, this is so wise to learn to listen and to be observant. Because let's say you're going over to somebody's house of a different culture, of a different nationality, di different ethnicity. It's wise to understand and be sensitive to stuff because there's something that your culture does that might not be a big deal, but it is insanely offensive to somebody else. There's hand gestures, all right? Like, for example, in, in the United States, there's a couple that we use that are fine, you know, which is, uh, for example, a nice thumbs up. Hey, man, you good? Awesome. Hey, yeah, A-OK. -okay. Those two, oh my gosh, you do those two things in certain countries, forget it, okay? And so, you know, Jesus is good. Whoa, hey, oh, hold on a second. They're not even going to listen to you anymore because of what you did. You feel me? And so there's things like that, and that's all that Paul is saying. It's like saying, I want to be sensitive to the Jews, and I'm not going to do something that will offend them unnecessarily which will cause them not to listen to Jesus or see Christ in me. Or if it's a non-Jew, I don't want to be a kind of way that's going to cause them, I'm going to offend them with something that is unnecessary. Because here's the thing, guys, the gospel is very offensive. The gospel is offensive. I mean, you know, I'll tell you right now. All right, so here we go. So some of y'all, y'all been tracking with me, but now I'm going to bother you. All right, and so in the gospel is simple. You're not special. Okay, you're not special. You're not awesome. You are not God's son and daughter just because you're breathing. Okay, you're not. If you are not a believer in Christ, you are not God's son. You are not God's daughter. You are his enemy because that is what you've chosen to do. All right, you are not bound for heaven. You're bound for God's wrath, not his love. And here's the thing. You cannot save yourself because you are the problem. You are the problem. You don't have a problem. No, you are the problem. And that's the problem that you have. It's you. And you cannot be saved unless you believe in Christ. You are not good enough to save yourself. You're not good enough. You don't deserve God's love. You don't deserve. He doesn't. You are not. God doesn't love you because you're special because you're not. Okay, you're not good enough. This is weird to be, I mean, it's almost like, oh yeah, I hate myself now. I hate myself. I know, listen, so the thing is, the gospel is offensive for me to say you're a sinner. That's offensive. And you have to say that because you don't need a savior if you don't feel you need saving. And saving from what? From you. And that's sin. And from the wrath of God. And here's the other thing. It could be offensive because, hey, yeah, that, I, that sin that you have, or really, mm, that identity that you have that is so precious to you, that's a sin. So you see how that can be offensive? Hey, that identity is wrong. If that identity is not met in Christ, you're wrong. And it's not good. And you're, you're literally holding on to a hundred pound weight in the ocean and it's going to sink you. Let it go. Did you see why that can be offensive? But see, if, if I'm going to offend anybody or if as Christians we're going to offend anybody, that is what we should do to offend people. It, but not in a bad way. I'm like, oh, you know, like those Bible thumpers. You know what I'm saying? We don't say like that. I'm like, oh, you're a sinner. You know, not like that. This is where the accommodation comes in. Because we're always called to speak truth in love. Truth and grace. Truth and grace. So how do we do that? Through accommodation. We're not just going to bust in the room and start telling everybody, sinner, 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 damn, 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 you know? So we're not going to do that. Because, again, they're not going to listen. But there is a way. And there is a way, and here's the, here's the one argument that's with a lot of Christians. This one a lot of people struggle with. I guarantee you, if you're a Christian, you struggle with this one too. It's, it's where's that line? Where's that line between telling people the truth but not sounding like a jerk? 
You know, listen, you can be perfect. You can say it in, in tears. You can say it in tears with all the love in the world. And they're still going to hate you if, if they don't like what you have to say. But, you, you know, at least at least people will say, listen, I hate what you're saying, but I can tell at least you care. At least that. Right. But there is a way, guys, that we can tell the truth without necessarily toning it all the way down that it means nothing. A.W. Tozer has this quote. Oh, my gosh. And so he says, Christianity has been so watered down that if it was poison, it wouldn't kill anybody. And if it was medicine, it wouldn't heal anybody. That's not what Paul's saying. You feel me on that? We're not supposed to water something down that now is ineffective. No, it's just trying to be aware. Be aware of the so Paul, Timothy made an accommodation for the love of people who don't know Jesus. And so as, as Paul would do the same thing, I would make an accommodation. I'm going to watch what I say, how I say, how I live. I'm going to be sensitive to that, not to be a slave to everybody, not necessarily to please everyone because, you know, he can't please everybody. But I'm just going to be aware. So if he was here today, I guarantee you he would say, I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to uh, monitor. And he would be very careful about his social media feed. He would say truth. He would say it in love. But he would be very aware about how am I going to, what am I going to say? Because I don't want to say something that would cause people not to really hear me. You see? Science, that's what he's talking about. Now, where did Paul learn this, guys? Where did Paul learn to accommodate for the love of others? Jesus. Jesus. Think about Jesus. Look at the sacrifice that Timothy made in order for others to know and be saved. Paul would make constant sacrifices in order for others to hear and be saved. Doesn't that sound like Jesus? I mean, in Mark chapter 10, 45, Jesus says himself, the son of man, I did not come into this world to be served, but I came to serve. I came to serve, to give my life as a ransom for you. And that's something we're supposed to model. That is serving others. That is considering of the other. And, and on top of that, you would ask yourself, guys, how did Jesus give his life? How did Jesus serve us? Paul gives one definition to the second letter in Corinthians. He said, he who became, he who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of Christ. You know what that's called? That's called accommodation. Jesus, how did Jesus accommodate? How did he change he first off became one of us. He became a human. He became a person. He lived our life and lived the life that you and I could not live. He lived the perfect life. He fulfilled everything. Not a sin, not a thought, not an emotion, not nothing. He lived the life that you and I could not live. But it was better than that. He didn't just become one of us. He accommodated to become one of us. Truly God, truly man, fully God, fully man. God's not a half and half. Timothy was half and half, half Greek, half Jew. Jesus wasn't half and half. He wasn't half, half God, half man. He was fully 100% a man, but fully 100% God. Perfect man. That's a miracle in and of itself right there. But he didn't just be one of us, become one of us. He became what we were on the cross, a sinner. He says he became sin. Now, it doesn't mean that he became your wickedness. It didn't mean he, he didn't become, you know, um, whatever sin you want to. He, he didn't become that. No, he became and, and he was punished as if he had did everything you've ever done um, combined. Jesus was punished on the cross as if he had committed every sin ever in human history, past and future. Could you imagine that punishment? 
everybody's collective punishment he took on the cross. That's what he did. He became what we were, a sinner on the cross, so that we can become who he is, a son of God, a daughter of God, a child of God. He became what we were so that we can become what he is by faith alone, by trusting in him and letting that trust transform us. And why did Jesus make those accommodations? Because he loves you. He loves you. And that is such a cliche. I don't know, anybody ever grown up hearing that song, Jesus Loves Me? This I know for the finish. All right, for the Bible tells me so, right? That's such a cliche little song, but that song is deep. That song is deep. God loves you. And do you see why we shouldn't be afraid of offending people about saying you're a sinner? Because that amplifies the love of God. How can I, if I'm going to paint you in such a negative way, you won't even love yourself. Let's be real. You won't even love yourself. But then how can God love you? Exactly. That is why he is God. That is why he is worthy of our praise and worthy of so much more. Because he loves sinners like us and proved his love for us by dying on the cross and being punished for what he didn't do, what we did so that we can be restored back to him. That doesn't downplay the love of God because some people believe that. I'm like, no, no, God loves you. You're special. You're amazing. You're awesome. Here's a trophy. You're right. That's not how it works. You know, it actually shows and proves and magnifies the love of God by helping us to see who we are, undeserving and unworthy of that love. And yet he still extends it. That is the love of God for you. You're probably in this room, you probably don't, you don't even love yourself. You, you hate your life, you don't love life, you don't love you. How can God ever love me? That's the beauty of it. That's the miracle. And so what is that love? See, he, Timothy learned to accommodate for the love of others. Well, how did he learn it? From Paul. Paul learned it. How did he learn it? From Christ, because what did Christ do? He did everything necessary short of sin for love to save us. And guys, that is the mark of every Christian since the time of Jesus. Timothy, Paul, and every missionary and everybody, true believer, that is the mark of a true believer. And I'll give you two quick little stories of Christian accommodation in history. One, Hudson Taylor, and another one, Amy Carmichael. Two amazing individuals. I'll give you one man, one woman. Check this out. Hudson Taylor is actually a famous missionary, lived during the 1800s, and he was a famous missionary to China. And so he's an Englishman, all right? And so he goes over, has a heart for the Chinese people, and so he goes, he served over 50 years in China. But when he showed up to China, he did what all the other missionaries and a lot of people would do. He, being an Englishman, this is all he knew, he dressed as an Englishman and lived an Englishman's life in China, telling people about Jesus. And he started recognizing and knowing that, hmm, people aren't taking me seriously. What do I need to do? What do I need to do? And so Hudson Taylor said, you know what? I'm going to accommodate. He grew his hair out and that long ponytail that the, that the Chinese people would wear. And he, he cut his hair like the Chinese people would wear. He stopped wearing his Western clothing and adopted the clothing of the rural people of China. He dressed like them. He, he began to look like them. He began to eat their food. He began to learn their language. He accommodated, accommodated, accommodated to be like them. Not compromising his faith. Not compromising anything. He wasn't participating, let's say, in a sinful you know, 
Chinese cultural practice, but he did everything possible to be able to remove every barrier so that they cannot see past his English clothing and see Christ. Hudson Taylor today, his legacy over 120 years later is still seen in China. Why? Because of his accommodations. Thousands, if not, I would probably say at this point because it's China, millions if not possibly billions of people have heard the gospel because a white man wanted to not culturally appropriate Chinese culture, all right, because that's an argument and a half. He didn't culturally appropriate the culture. He abandoned his own and adopted theirs so that they can see Christ. That was Hudson Taylor. Years later, this, this Amy, Amy Carmichael, she lived a little bit later in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and she was a missionary to India over 50 years. 50 years, another one. She spent her life, and she was unmarried, she was single, and she wanted to give her life to the Lord, and she spent over 50 years in the mission field. Uh, apparently, she started out in China, eventually ended up in, um, I'm sorry, in Japan, eventually in India, and she had a, such a heart for the, for the Indian people. And she did the same thing. She was like, you know what? She had heard of Hudson Taylor and his practices and what others had done, how they had accommodated. And so she wanted to accommodate as well in order to, for the people to be able to understand so that they can hear. So she learned their language as well. She did everything possible to, in order to help them. And see, here's the one thing that was even so amazing. Look at to the extent that she did. She had a heart for these, these girls, these girls, young girls that were sold by their parents into the temple system. And these girls, these children, were a lot of times abused, abandoned, and sometimes used for sexual favors within the, the Hindu temples. It was, it was a really sad spot. And then there was one girl who met her, and then she, Amy Carmichael, had a reputation. Hey, this girl, she helps people, she's safe. And so they started sending some people to her. And then she ended up because, hey, she didn't have kids. And so she began to, in essence, almost adopt these kids and, and, and love them. And she ended up raising money and ended up setting up a, a, a kind of like an orphanage, an organization to be able to rescue these girls. And then she started to realize, how can I save more people? How can I help more people? I need to get closer. How can I get closer? And well, man, hold on. Like, I can't get closer. Look at the way I look. She's, again, it's a white girl. How can I get in closer into the people, into the temples, in order to find these girls to rescue them? She grew up hating her brown eyes. She saw the other young, you know, all the other girls with, with brown eyes, I'm sorry, with green eyes and blue eyes. Oh, she hated her brown eyes. Those brown eyes came in handy while she was in India, though. Look at that. And not only that, she says, you know what? I know how I can get closer. In order for me to get closer to rescue more girls, I have to start looking like I'm from India. Again, changed her clothing, changed her hair. She dyed her white skin darker with tea leaves, dyed and stained her skin so it could be darker, so she could maneuver and be inside of the Hindu temples and not, you know, cause a, hey, what's that white girl doing over here? You know, like, not like that. She dyed her skin dark so that she can get close enough she marked herself permanently, really, so she can get close enough to rescue more girls, and she did. She accommodated. Hudson Taylor accommodated. And guys, we could be here forever, hearing missionary after missionary, foreign and local, all from every shade, every color, every, all of it. And that's what they do. Their accommodation led to the salvation of many. 
Why were they willing to do so much? Because of how can we not do any less? Look what our God has done for us. Look at the sacrifices that Jesus did for us so that we can be saved. Guys, he calls us to do the same. He calls us to do the same. That's what it's called to live a cruciform, Christ cross-shaped life. A cross, you guys have seen crosses, right? It's vertical and horizontal. You cannot make a cross without a vertical line. You need two vertical lines. You need a vertical line and a horizontal, right? You can't make a cross with two verticals. You can't make a cross with two horizontals. You need one vertical, one horizontal. Christ died on the cross, and that cross is now a symbol of how we're called to live. You cannot love God without loving one another. To love God is to love one another. That is what it means. And to love one another is to love like Jesus loved us, who laid down his life. Jesus said this himself in John 15. This is my command that you love one another as I have loved you. And no greater love someone has than this, that he lays his life down for his friends. But God went before that. He went beyond that. Jesus didn't just give his life for his friends. He gave his life for his enemies. He gave his life for his enemies. The opposite. And so are we. Our enemies are not people that we debate with. Our, pe our enemies are people that we are called to love. The church is the only institution out there that exists for its non-customers. Think about that. The church does not exist for anyone else but the people that don't want it. Every business is made for, oh, you have a need, here you go. Like, we exist for the sake of those that are not in it. That's what we're here for. That, and we are called to live that life. So let me, let me give you this. If you're ever wondering, God, how can I live for you? How can I serve for you? What's my purpose? That's always a big one. All right, oh, God has a purpose for your life. All right, what does that mean? Well, let me help you with this. So let me give you a bottom line. Uh, if we could put it up, it's this. Listen, if you want to live out your purpose, you got to understand this. You must lay down your preferences if you want to live out your purpose. You got to lay down your preferences if you want to live out your purpose. That's a big one for us. For, it's a hard one. You got to be willing to live, abandon, lay down your preferences if you want to live out your purpose. What does that mean? Because here's the thing, guys, your purpose, God's purpose for your life might not match up with some of your preferences. Oh, God, well, I want to marry this kind of a girl. Well, you don't understand. This one's the one that you need, bro. No, but she doesn't look like a, you know, no, he doesn't look like a, trust me, okay? Well, God, I, I want to serve. I want to live for you, but I want this career. Uh, you don't understand, bro. This career right here. This is the one. You, you don't understand. See, here's the problem, guys. This is a big one that holds everybody up. Everybody wants, God, I, I have a, you have a purpose for my life, purpose for my life. I want to change the world. I want to change the world. Guys, listen. All right. L don't let that. F I'm not here to pump up and, you know, your, your own brain. I'm like, listen, you are not the Savior. We already have one. Jesus, he's good enough. All right. And we collectively, we collectively, God changes us. When he changes us, he changes others. We just prayed a prayer today. Let whose kingdom come? Let whose kingdom come? Let whose will be done? Oh, y'all come on. We just sang that song. I know y'all don't forget it. We just sang that song. Come on now. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. God, I want to lay down my preferences so that I can live out your purpose for my life. And I'm telling you, his purpose is better than anything you can ever come up with. It's better than anything you'd ever come up with. And you shouldn't be afraid of God's purpose because he's good. He's good. 
And so whatever he has for you on the surface, you might not like it. But again, he's good. He's not going to give you something inferior. You know, like he's just kind of handing out good purposes for you. Good purpose for you. Uh, look, I'll try it over here. You, you have that one. You know, no, he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. His purpose is good and pleasing and perfect, Paul would say. God's will is good. It's pleasing. You know what that means? It's, it's going to feel good to walk in his purpose. And it's perfect. Doesn't mean that everything will be perfect, but it is. So guys, listen, I, I have had to learn that a lot of times the hard way. And, and this is what I think Paul and Timothy were doing, what Timothy showed us. He had to lay down his preference, all right, of being one way in order to live out his purpose. It was uncomfortable for him. I mean, that's some serious surgery for an adult to have. It's the reason why they do it when they're little. That was serious. But listen, prefer, you lay down your preference if you want to live out your purpose. So that means there's a lot. You can fill in that blank however you want. But if you want to pray that prayer, God, I want to live for you, then you got to lay something on the cross. You got to lay something on the altar, and that's your preferences. I, what, God, what I have later gone to study is not what I've always wanted to study. I wanted to study different things. Well, where I'm at right now is not where I thought I wanted to be. You know, I had different ideas. I had different preferences. And there's a lot of times God has had to fight me on stuff. And things that I've done well and things that I haven't and like very, you know, kind of like he dragging me through some of this stuff. But I'm telling you, every time I've laid down a preference for his purpose, I've never looked back and be like, man, I never have a regret. I mean, I did at the beginning. I ain't gonna lie. It's hard, you know. But when I look back, I'm like, I don't want anything less. I never would have imagined this. Never would have thought this. Never would have been. And guys, I want to tell you, if you want God's purpose for your life, go, oh, there's a cost. There's a cost. You're going to have to cut something. All right. As we see Timothy, that's a, that's a good example. If you want to live out God's purpose, he's going to have to cut you. He's going to have to cut something out of you. He's going to have to cut you or something. But there's something that needs to be cut if you want to be able to live out that purpose in your life. And so I'm going to ask you to do this. There's a great application for this. All right. I'm going to, I want you to take away this question. Ask this question this week. What must I lay down to love you? What must I lay down to love you? Apply that in every circumstance. You're at your job, all right? You're at your job. What must I lay down right now in order to love you? Customers, your employees, your, your people who you work with for marriage. Tell me right now, that's, that's some good marriage advice right there. What do I need to lay down in order to love you? What preference must I lay down in order to love you? Parenting, that's parenting advice right there. What preference? You know, a lot of times as parents, we want to impose so much. You know, you, hey, I, you know, a lot of times, I don't know if I've been, I've been here. Some of y'all, have you ever been here too? It's like, I just want to give my kids what I never got. Right? You ever thought about that? I just want to give my kids what I never got. But you got to be careful. You give them what you didn't have, but then you didn't, didn't, you didn't give them what you did have. That made you who you are. Like, there's some good there. But you got to be careful not to live your life through them. For those of you that had kids or through others, no, you lay down, no, what is your purpose? It may be different from mine. I have a different idea, but God's plan for your life might be different than my plan. So some of you guys have to lay down your plans for your kids' lives and so that they can find their own. What must I lay down to love you? Think of your neighbor. Think of, think of online, even right now, in the middle of this big debate right now, and that's going to be an ongoing one. We praise God, and I do un unashamedly praise God that the decision that was made was a right one. Um, it was an unjust law from the beginning because they manipulated the lady that we know as Roe. 
Um, she was a believer in Jesus Christ later on, and she was used by the lawyers um, and, and lied to. She was manipulated in order to be used by them, and they just tossed her aside when, it, when they got what they wanted. And it was a faulty law from the beginning. And so, but we don't celebrate that, oh, the war is over, uh, stuff like that. No, it's, it's, it's still ongoing, but it's good. It's a good thing. You know, we're seeing a bunch of Planned Parenthoods shut down just because of that. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I thought abortions were only 2% of your business. Why are you shutting down so fast? Ah, uh, fake. Okay, right? And so I see you. I see you. But that's a very hot topic. And you may have, a, and you may believe and have a strong, this is true. But how, what can you lay down in order to love a person that is on the opposite side of that opinion? You know, I was like, I, I, I've said this a lot. Jesus died for the person on the other side of your opinion. Jesus died for the purpose on the other side of your opinion. What matters? That you win a political debate or you make sure that person's soul is saved and knows Jesus. And so that matters. So how can you learn to listen? So man, you're really strong about that. Can I ask you why? Maybe if, if you're on the opposite, you believe this was wrong. Okay, then why don't you take a minute and lay down that preference and listen to that person? I think when either side begins to listen, we start to realize that, wow, I'm very upset because assumptions that I have of you. Oh, and I have a lot of assumptions that I have of you. It happens a lot. So guys, ask yourself this question. What must I lay down to love you? For some of us, look at look what Timothy did. Look what Paul did. Look what Amy Carmichael, look what Hudson Taylor did. The adjustments that they made. The adjustments that they made the accommodations that they made so that they can shine a light. And can I tell you something, guys? You're never, one of the best ways, let me say it this way. One of the best ways to reflect Jesus is to live like Jesus. And how did Jesus live? He laid down his preferences and rights. He lived, he laid down his life. On the cross, right before the cross, what did he say in his prayer? God, if, if there may be a way for you to take this cup away, remove it, but if not... Let your will be done. Jesus laid down his preference so that you can have a purpose in him. That's what he did. And guys, that is what we are called to do. This is not an easy word today. This is not an easy one, but it's a necessary one. It is a necessary one. This is what we are called to do. Why? Because God loves us and he loves those people too. May we love this person's soul more than we do our own opinions. May we love people more than our opinions. You feel me? May we love that person more than politic, more than any politics. We gotta, can't lose sight of that. Some of these things are important. I'm not saying that they're not. But again, in the end, what matters most? In the end, what matters most? Listen, there's, heaven's gonna be full of a lot of people that disagreed with you. But hopefully at least it was there. May, may people at least say, look, I hate what you have to say, but at least I can tell you care. At least you love. That's what we're called to do is to love one another. And so guys, I pray for some of you, ask yourself in your job, some preferences, there's things that you need to lay down in order to live out your purpose. Maybe some of the preferences is the kind of music you listen to or the way that you talk or the way that you are, the way that there's a lot of things that you like to be that's getting in the way. No one's listening to you because of the way that you are and the way that you're being. How, what preference can you lay down so you can live out your purpose? And again, it is a Good, pleasing, and perfect purpose that God has given you. It's uncomfortable. But see, when we step out of our comfort zones, that's how God uses us to bring comfort to others. We step out of our comfort zone so, so God can use it to bring comfort to others. Why? Because God 
loves them. And he loves you. So if you're supposed to ask this question, what must I lay down to love you? Can we just pause for a minute and ask, pretend Jesus asked that question of himself. What must I lay down to love you? And how did Jesus answer that question? What did he do? He laid down everything. Everything. Because of his great love for you. And so if you're here and online, I want you to know there is something you got to give up in order to get. There is something that you got to give up in order to get that love. And again, it's, it's, it's your pride. It's your pride. God needs to cut that pride and know that, listen, you can't save yourself. You are not enough. God is enough. He is enough for you. And so I pray for those of you that if you don't know that love and if you've been a believer and you think you are and you're not and you're still missing something, you need to receive that love. And it is a free gift. You get a free gift. And I pray God cuts you today. And as a Christian, oh, I pray God cuts you real good today on, on your any selfishness, any pride that you may have. I pray that he cuts you good today so that again, he, that love can flow through that wound. The blood of Jesus flowed through the wounds in which he was cut. Guys, that love flows through those markings as well. In us, through us, to our kids, everybody, our neighbors, and the nation. That is the love that God has for us, and that is the love that we should be grateful for. Because he laid down everything. And we don't have to, like him, but it is an honor to reflect that love that we've received likewise. So Timothy laid down his preferences in order to live out his God-given purpose. And listen, that says a lot to us today. And I pray that you listen to the Holy Spirit. How has he cut your heart today? What needs to be cut out of your life? What needs to be wounded so that God can heal and bring healing through. Listen, I've heard Charles Spurgeon say that you will not find a person in which God used greatly without having first wounded him greatly. Now, that's just my little paraphrase. But the reality, guys, is that there's much that is required of us. Listen, following Jesus is simple, but yet very difficult. He asks us to love others, yet he gives us the definition, love others as I have loved you. And how did Jesus love us? He laid it all down and he was willing to go through a lot so that we can receive everything and come to know him. And so guys, I don't know, but you know what? God's going to constantly call us to be cut or to cut something in order for Christ to be known. And whatever sacrifice or thing that we have to go through, it is worth it because Christ is worthy.